But, but I'm going to start today. I'm going to tell you about a dad fail of, of mine, so, so don't feel too bad, Kyle. Um, I remember when uh, my oldest daughter, Jayla, she was probably five or six years old, and we had just gotten the treadmill in the house, and um, I told her to stay off the treadmill, and, um, and, and I went down into the room with the treadmill there, and she was walking on the treadmill, just nice and slow, and so I just kind of sat there and uh, leaned up against it, was just talking to her, um, just goofing off with her, and, and as she was walking, I just can slowly push the increase the speed button. Just the whole time we're, like, we're talking, and, and she's going faster and faster and faster, and finally, like, there's this panic look in her eyes, and she's trying to grab onto the rails there, but she's not quite tall enough and lift herself up, and I'm just like laughing at her, and the next thing I know, it shoots her off the back of the treadmill against the wall. Like, it was... Like, major, major dad fail. I was trying to prove a point um, to, to, to not be on that, but um, when she shot against the wall, and then when Jennifer saw all of the, like, the treadmill burns on her, it was not very good for Josh. Um, but, but I think that's what happens uh, in our own lives, really, is that little uh, by little, like, barely even noticeable at first, like we do a little bit more, a little bit more, and a little bit more, and, and a little bit more, and we get a little bit more efficient, and we get a little bit more uh, aggressive, and we take on a job, and another job, and some student loan debt, and a car payment, and a girlfriend who becomes a wife, who gives us a baby, who has diapers, and then another baby, and more diapers, and preschool, and Mother's Day out, and soccer, and dance, and ballet, and softball, and volleyball, and braces for kids, and a second job, and debt, and all of a sudden we wake up one day and we feel overwhelmed. And I wonder how many of you in your own way would say, I always feel a little bit rushed or anxious or, or overwhelmed. Like that all I have to do, like there's not enough hours in the day. And so if you're like me, like we try to squeeze in a bit more, right? We try to become a bit more efficient. Like I, I will analyze the lines at a grocery store. I always pick wrong, but I always, I always try to get there. Or, or if I'm going up to a stoplight, like I want to see which car is going to take off faster. Like, like I, I feel so busy sometimes. I'll even multitask, like in the bathroom. Like anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like doing business while you're doing business. Like, like is that too real? Like I'm just talking to real people today. And it's not just about being rushed. But I wonder how many of you would, would say that, that it, occasionally even or like, or maybe even often, that you're disappointed at the way your life is, is going. And because of the pace and because of the intensity, sometimes you start to think um, that, that there's something that's missing. I have no time for the things that, that, that I want to do. No time to do the things that I love, or even worse yet, I don't even have time for the people that I love. And you might start to ask yourself, is life really supposed to be this way? what if I told you that the greatest enemy to the life that you want may be the life that you're living? Like the greatest enemy to the life that you want may be the life that, that you're living. Like the title for today's message is when you're too busy for what matters. And confession, this message that, that I'm going to preach or try to preach today is one of the most difficult messages for me to preach because it's completely opposite of the way I live my life. Like it is like, me trying to sell you hair care products. <laughs> like, like, you don't have to be around me very long to understand that I despise slow. 
Like, I, I mean, I, I really do. Like, I hate it. It offends me. Like, it, it makes me so mad. Like, I've been the guy who said, hey, the devil doesn't take a day off, so neither will I. To which my counselor said, is that the example you want to follow? Like, I'll slow down when I get to heaven. Like, I, I may have said things like that before and meant it. And I'm guessing that, that and hoping, really, that most of you are, are at least not as dysfunctional as I am. But I'm guessing that, that a lot of you are busier than you know that you should be. Because we all have places to be, we've all got jobs to do, we've all got bills to pay, uh, dinner to cook, yards to mow, um, kids to raise, news to read, biased news to read that makes you mad. Um, all of those things, clothes to wash and clothes to wash and clothes to wash, clothes to, to not wear, um, clothes to buy more clothes because you don't wear the clothes that you have. Photos to take, captions to, to add, like the soul-numbing series on Netflix that you've been binge-watching. And just because of the pace of life, and you find yourself going faster and faster and faster until you're sprinting. And then you realize that I don't have time for some things that I wish I had time for. We don't really have time for, for meals with our families. We really don't have time for deep conversations with, with our friends. We don't have time to, to rest or reflect or read or really enjoy intimacy with, with, with our Heavenly Father. We just don't have time. But the good news is neither does anybody else, so it must be okay, right? Everybody else is busy, so that must be God's will, right? But what if I told you the greatest enemy to the life that you want may be the life that you currently live? Maybe the things that are going on now. And that's why we're in this message series called A, a Better Way. And we're not just looking at, at the truth of Jesus, which we always do and we, we always will do, but we're also examining the way that Jesus lived and the way that Jesus loved people. Like the way that Jesus lived. In fact, when you look at the Gospels and you take a step back and, and really look at them, it's pretty fascinating to think about the way that, that Jesus lived. He had three years of ministry, that was it. Three years, I've been here 12 years already. He had three years of a public ministry. And in those three years, he embraced the mission that God gave him. He recruited a group of, of 12 ragtag men that would, train, that would change the world. He trained them in kingdom values. He endured the hatred of the Pharisees. He resisted the temptation of the devil. He healed all sorts of sick people. He loved all sorts of hurting people. He preached the word of God fearlessly. He fulfilled 351 Old Testament prophecies. All of those things. And as you read the Gospels, Jesus never once ran. Like when you read the Gospels, there's no record of him running, jogging, fast walking, skipping, sprinting. Like, and Jesus was busy but he was never rushed. He never said to his disciples, hey, shoot, boys, we're behind. We better get to Capernaum. They need us now. Like, let's go. Like, Thomas is late. We're gonna leave him. Like, I've done that with my kids, with my wife. Jesus was busy with important stuff, but he was never rushed on the inside. He never once ran. In fact, I want to show you something in, in, the, in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 2, verse 14, and this is a phrase that you see over and over again in the gospels, um, and, and this phrase is this. Mark said this about Jesus. He said, as he walked along, as he walked along, 
What did Jesus do? He, he walked along. Over and over again in the Gospels, Jesus walked along. It says he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. And I was thinking about Levi, and, and it was fascinating to me. If Jesus was unrushed and Levi followed Jesus, how did he get from place he walked with Jesus? He was, he was unrushed. And then I thought about us, me in particular. And I thought, if we follow an unrushed Jesus, shouldn't we be living an unrushed life? But the way I live is very different from the way Jesus lived. So if you find yourself on the treadmill and the pace is picked up beyond what you expected or beyond what you can, you, you can bear, and you're often rushed or, or stressed or overwhelmed or exhausted trying to get it all done, Jesus invites you, hey, come walk with me. He invites you to come to him. If you're worn out, if you're overwhelmed, if you're burdened, he will give you something that many of you, many of us have not experienced in a long time. He will give you heavenly rest. We looked at this verse uh, last week from, from the book of Matthew chapter 11. And last week we talked about it from the New International Version. And I wanna read it today uh, from a version that's called The, the Message. And to be clear, this is not a, a word-for-word translation. It's, um, it's what we call a transliteration by a guy named Eugene Peterson. And what he does is he just takes big phrases of Scripture and he just kind of sums them up into our words. He doesn't translate them word for word. But this is the way he, he used the words of Jesus from, from the text last week in Matthew 11. So this, Jesus asked, asked this question. He said, are you tired? Burned out on religion? Jesus says, come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Not run, but walk with me and work with me. Do it at my pace. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Jesus says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep me company and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus says, get away with me and you'll recover your life. Walk with me. Watch how I walk, watch how I love, watch how I live, and walk with me. Don't just believe what Jesus believed. Do that, but also live the way that Jesus lived. I want you to think about the way that he lived for a minute. He only lived for 33 years, and he was called to be perfect and to save the, the entire world. His mission was to give up his life. And he waited 30 years before he ever initiated a public ministry. 30 years. And it's fascinating to me how Jesus did it. Like he was baptized by John the Baptist. The heavens opened up and God said, this is my son whom I love with whom I'm well pleased. God affirms him even before he does publicly any miracle. And so Jesus is commissioned to change the world. He, he's, he's, he knows what his, his job is. And what's the first thing he does? He takes a sabbatical. It has 40, 40 days in, in, the, in the desert just to be alone with God. And he draws close to God and he's strengthened by God and he fights off the enemy. And he, he, his identity is solidified in who he's called to be. He takes 40 days to be with God at the very start of his ministry. And then think about his first miracle. Uh, what was it? It was turning water um, into wine. And Jesus, like, he went to a wedding. Nobody likes to go to weddings. 
Um, most of the time, not even the bride and groom. But he went to a wedding, and he didn't like big time. I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm the son of God. I'm out. Like, I got better things to do than, than, than be at your wedding. He didn't do that. He stayed till the very end. And when they, when they ran out of the good stuff, when, when they ran out of, of what kept everybody there, he said, hey, let me make some better stuff, and let's keep this party going a little longer. Let's just enjoy each other. Let's just be together. One time, a synagogue leader came to him. His name was Jarius. Um, Jarius was, a, was an important guy. And he's, he's freaking out. My little girl's dying. My baby girl's dying. Jesus, you've got to come. You, you've got to save her. Um, and Jesus is, is like, what? I'll get there. And Jesus starts walking on his way to, to, to get to this lady's house. And I'd be like, you need to hurry up, Jesus. Come on. And then as he's walking, another woman stops him, interrupts him, and, and she's crying. She's been sick for 12 years. And as another little girl is dying, Jesus gives this woman her, his, his undivided attention, and he heals her. And while he's taking his sweet, loving time dealing with this, this woman, the first girl dies. And the dad's beside himself. Jarius is like, hey, like, it's too late now. She's already dead. And Jesus says, hey, time's in my hand. And he heals her anyway. I mean, it's crazy. Even if you look at the, the transportation mode that, that Jesus chose. Like, he's the son of God. If he's coming down on an animal, he can choose whatever he wants. Like, I'm Jesus. I'm on a white horse, a fast one, or I'm on a cheetah or something. Like, I'm going from place to place. He comes in riding on a donkey. Like a walking animal. Ain't no donkey in a rush. Have you ever seen Eeyore run a red light? Like, I promise you. Like, like it's as he walked. And if Jesus wasn't rushed, then, and we're called to follow Jesus, shouldn't our lives be unrushed? Why, why do you think we're so rushed? And, and I'm just a preacher. I'm not a counselor. Um, I go to one. Um, I think everybody should. In fact, that's one of, my, one of my things I've told my kids. Hey, like, I'm doing my best to be your dad, but I know I'm messed up, so as soon as you get out of the house, you probably need to find a counselor. <laughs> but, but why are we so rushed? And here's my best guess from years of, of pastoral ministry. If we really simplified it down, most of us are rushed over work pressure and pushing it because we're either running from something or we're running to something. Most of us are either running to something or we're running from something. If I analyze me, I'm probably running from insignificance and I'm running toward acceptance. I don't know what yours would be. You might be running from a past failure. You might be running from something that somebody said about you. You might be running from an insecurity that you're gonna have to overcome and you're gonna prove them wrong. You may be running from a hurt you're running from a, an abuse or, or, or you're running from something. Or, man, you've got the goal. You, you've got the vision. I'm gonna get married and he's gonna be so fine and he's gonna, he's gonna love Jesus and we're gonna get matching cross tattoos and we're gonna name our kids Elijah and Mary because they're in the Bible and we're gonna get a dog and we're gonna name him something. Like, I don't know. But you're running towards something. You're running towards success. You're running toward your, your image. You're running toward popularity. You're running uh, toward fame. You're running toward being liked. You... You want to be something, whatever. You're accepted. You're running toward it. And the problem for most people today 
in our culture is that you're chasing a life that will still leave you empty once you get there. Like, what if the greatest enemy to the life that you want is actually the life that you're living? Always rushed, always pushing it. Some of you'd say, oh, you don't understand, preacher. You know, I got a full-time job. You're just a pastor. You work an hour a week on Sundays. Like, I got a full-time job. Like, I don't, like, I literally can't get it all done. I can't slow down. There's too much moving. Like Homer Simpson. And I said, if God wanted me to go to church, he'd have made the week an hour longer. And here's what I want to say very respectfully, is that you have time for what you choose to have time for. You have time to, 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 to choose what you have time for. You have time. And if I can get up in your business a, a little bit, because that's what I do, the solution's not more time. The solution is more of what matters most. That's it. It's more of what matters most. And the reason that, that most of us don't have time for what matters is because we mindlessly spend our time on things that don't. And, and I want to prove it to you. I got to take any number of different illustrations. There, there's a lot of them. But I've chosen three that are, that are just incredibly common. First of all, social media. How many of you are involved in any sort of social media? Raise up your hands. Any sort. Okay. The second one would be television. And the third one would be video games. I'm trying to hit all age groups here. Let's start with social media. Did you know that the average person, average person on social media, how much time do you think they spend a year? The average person in a year spends 706 hours on social media. That's average. Some of you are more, some of you are less. That, that's great. The younger ones, you're probably above average. Like, you're way up there. How much time is that? And, and I like to do comparisons. And, and a traditional workday is about eight hours. Eight hours, 706 hours on social media. If you divide that into normal workdays, that's approximately four and a half months of working hours that people spend on social media. I don't have time. You have time to choose what you have time for. What about television? It's a little worse, over 27,000 hours of binge watching the, the latest version of whatever your popular show is, a year. 2,700, not 7,000, 2,700 hours. Before we go to video games, I'm gonna pick on the, the guys for, for, a minute, for a minute. Um, so, so gentlemen, would you raise your hand? Like even if you're not a gentleman, like you don't have to be here. Um, Now I'm gonna pick on you, and I'm guilty. I grew up with the classic video games like Donkey Kong and Pac-Man and Frogger and Galaga, the, the really good stuff. I probably could have paid for your college education one quarter at a time as I was growing up. So I'm guilty. The average guy, by the time he is 21 years of age, spends about 10,000 hours playing video games. By the time they're 21, what can you do with 10,000 hours? I'll give you some options. You, one thing, at $10 an hour, you can make 100 grand. Uh, another thing you can do is if you're an average reader, you can read about 2,000 books. Another thing you can do with 10,000 hours, you could probably become a concert pianist. 
Now, you can get your pilot's license. You could memorize the, the New Testament. You could possibly save your, your struggling marriage um, if you devoted that much energy to the person that you're about to walk away from. You could possibly reconcile a relationship with your kids and, and have one that you've never imagined. If you'd put away whatever stupid thing that you're doing and invest in them, you could have something that really matters or you can mindlessly waste your stuff on doesn't, on things that don't. What if the greatest enemy of the life you want is the life that you're currently living? And so, so what do I do now? What, what do I do now, preacher? And the answer is I don't know. I'm struggling too. I, I, I'm working on this. Like, again, bald man trying to sell you hair care products. Yeah, I don't know. But what, I, what I'm gonna do is I'm not gonna give you a lot of things to do. But what I want to say is that, that if you don't slow down, God may make you slow down. And so over the last several months and, and even the last couple of years, really, I've been going back to the basics and who is God? And, and at his core, like God is, is love. It's not just what he does, it, it's who he is. Like what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And then he said, what else? to love your neighbor as yourself. At the core of all God calls us to be and to do is to love. To be loved by him and to love him and to love people on behalf of him. And the challenge is though love is incompatible with hurry. And I'm always in a hurry. When Paul would write a description or a definition of what love is in 1 Corinthians 13, the first thing he would say is that love is patient. Love takes time. Hurry doesn't have time. So what I want to do is I want to share a prayer with you that I've been praying for the last couple of weeks. It's one prayer, and it's simple. And I want to invite you and challenge you, uh, maybe dare you, to pray this prayer with me. Seven, seven days this week. Just first thing in the morning, whatever that kind of looks like for you, you can do it over your coffee or, or whatever. But I want to challenge you to just for seven days to pray this prayer. And the prayer is very simple. It's this, God... Help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and love people deeply. God, help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and love people deeply. Just say that. Hey, just to yourself, not out loud. Just say it. Write it down. God, help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully, and to love people deeply. What's gonna happen if you pray that prayer? The answer is I don't know for sure. But I'll tell you over the last couple weeks what God's been doing in me. The first thing that God's been doing in me is he's been teaching me to be present in the moment. I'm starting to recognize that, that oftentimes I'm physically there, but mentally I'm somewhere else. And as I'm praying this prayer, what's happening is I'm, I'm engaging with my children and leaving my phone by my side. And I'm listening to, to my wife and I'm listening to other people when oftentimes my mind would be spinning away. And I'm seeing needs in the lives of people that, that I wouldn't have seen otherwise. The second thing, it's helping me to choose what's important and, and to eliminate what's not. And as I'm asking God to lead my steps and help me to walk slowly, suddenly I'm just more aware of what's going on around me, of what, of what is the most 
important thing. And it's helping me to eliminate some things that, that are not that important. And the third thing is that he's just giving me a calm, a peace. He's giving me that rest as I'm trying to walk and not run. And I'm starting to become more and more like Jesus. That's my goal. Think about that if you will. Like Jesus just walked along. He, he walked along. Every person that Jesus loved, every miracle that Jesus performed, he just did it as he walked, and God used him. And so my invitation for you is to join me. Seven days, pray and see what, what happens every day. God, help me to walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. And here's what's so interesting to me. As Jesus walked all of his ministry, man, you can come up, all of his life, like follow, following the will of the Father. Where was Jesus walking? He was always walking toward the cross. Day after day, step after step, moment after moment, he was fulfilling God's calling for him and expressing the deepest and most profound love for us. He was walking toward the cross. And we know that Jesus is the way and the truth and, and the life. We don't just embrace the truth that he taught, but we also live the way that Jesus lived and love the way that he loved. And as I learned to walk with Jesus and I'm becoming more like Jesus, imagine that, if that was all of us, becoming more like Jesus in an angry and divided world in a world that's so hurting right now and so desperate right now. Imagine that if there was a group of people who just lovingly, caringly, united, walked slowly enough to gauge, engage with other people, slowly enough to see their need, slowly enough to, to stop and pray with them, slowly enough to show the love of a God that stepped out of heaven and came to earth in the person of his sinless son, Jesus, who day after day walked toward the cross to give his life for us. If you're following Jesus, guess where you're supposed to be walking? You're walking to lay down your life for something much more important. You're walking to, to surrender your life completely to him. Now, Jesus said, like, you take up your cross and follow me. The answer is not more time. It's more what matters most. You have time to choose what you have time for. So God help me to walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. I'm gonna ask you to stand. I'm gonna pray, Father God, today, I pray for those of us that are, are so busy that we're missing what matters most. I pray for us who have our, our priorities out of whack, who are running from something, who are running to something. But I pray today would be a day that we start to evaluate where we spend our time. That we'd find the things that that really do matter most. And if, 
And if it's the life that we're living now that's hindering us from the life that we want, Father, I pray you clearly show us the steps that we need to take to walk away from it. Father, I pray most of all that we would just walk with Jesus, that daily we would become more and more like him, willing to lay down our life for, for someone else, willing to surrender everything. So Father, I pray for those that are here today that need to surrender maybe a past that's filled with guilt and filled with shame and, and accept you for the first time. Father, today I pray that they would walk they'd walk down the aisle, that they would accept the, the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for us. And Father, for the rest of us, I pray that we would walk out of here. It's different. Understanding what matters. Understanding what you've called us to do, that we would go slow enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. It's in his name that I pray.